Today we're continuing our Love Your Neighbour series, this series that we're doing in the lead up to Easter, uh, where we're taking some time to dig into one of Jesus' clearest instructions, but also one of Jesus' most challenging instructions, that Jesus summed up everything that we need to do in order to follow him authentically with two statements, love God and love the people around us. That's what we need to do. And so we're digging into the second part of that to say, well, what does it actually mean for us to love the people around us? And so a couple of weeks ago, we started by looking at the early church and wrestled with this reality about how this ragtag group of people who were unqualified, who were uneducated, who were untrained, in lots of ways who were probably far less capable than we are, managed to tip the whole world upside down. And that a key part of what helped the early church to be able to explode the way it did was how much they loved the people around them, how much they cared for them, how much they served them, and the ways in which they connected with them. Last week, we then had Mark Reeson come and share, and he unpacked the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is Jesus' answer when he was asked the question, who is my neighbour? So as we think about this idea of loving our neighbour, someone had the courage to ask the question that we sometimes say as well, well, okay, who does that mean exactly? And so Jesus told this amazing story called the Good Samaritan to kind of tip upside down our expectations about who Jesus might be challenging us to show love to. And in particular, Mark challenged us about what it looks like to allow ourselves to be interrupted in the flow of our daily life, to see the needs of the people around us and to commit our time and our energy into our relationships with our neighbours. And so if you haven't been around the last couple of weeks and you want to catch up on those, you can do that on our website, Facebook page, uh, through our podcast. My hope is that as we talked about in the first week of this series, that you're taking some time to be praying for opportunities to be able to connect with your neighbours as we go through this series. To simply put yourself before God and say, God, help me to see the people around me the way that you do and then see what comes out of that. And if you feel a sense of prompting to connect with someone, that you have the courage to go and do what it is that God asks you to do as you connect with those around you. We've talked about this idea of neighbours being our geographic neighbours, so the people who live across the street who live next to us, the people who live in our block of flats, the people who live in our building, uh, but also the people that we have regular connections with. And so for some of us, our neighbours may not be our geographic neighbours, but we're looking for the people that we consistently interact with on a regular basis. And what does it look like for us to love them the way that Jesus wants us to be able to live them? We've also talked about how all of this is leading up to March 29th, which is National Neighbour Day. And so this is something that's a national initiative that has nothing to do with the church, but is an opportunity to be able to say, when we know our neighbours, everything is better for everyone. Neighbourhoods are safer, people feel a greater sense of connection, a greater sense of well-being. And so as people who follow Jesus, we believe that we should really be on the cutting edge of things like Neighbour Day. And so one of the challenges that we've thrown out is to say, in a couple of weeks, is there something that you could do for Neighbour Day? Is there a neighbour that you could invite over for a coffee or to have a chat with, all the way up to what we're going to do, which is to have a corner party and to invite our closest neighbours over for a barbecue on our front lawn, weather and virus permitting, to be able to spend some time together. But that's a couple of weeks away, and I hope that you're thinking about what opportunities might be there for you. Today, though, we want to tackle one of the major barriers that is probably there for all of us as we think about this idea of spending more time with our neighbours. And it is that strange thing that we call time. And that may have been your first reaction, and it may be your first reaction every time you come out, oh, we're still talking about this, really? This may be the major barrier that's there for you. 
are you kidding me? How can I possibly have more time for more people in my life? I feel like my life is already out of control, that my time is already maxed out. I don't have time to be able to connect with other people. And I hear you. I completely understand where you're coming from. I have those same reactions as well. All of us know that there are plenty of relationships that we don't invest in as much as we would like to, that there are lots of other people we'd like to spend more time with. And so now this idea of adding another layer of people on top of that to say, and now here's some more people to spend time with, might be something that you say, I just, I don't know how on earth I'm supposed to do that. And part of that is because that's what our culture is like, that our pace of life in the West has gotten completely out of control. And all of us feel overwhelmed the majority of the time and like we never have time for anything. I don't know whether any of you have ever thought that, probably in the last week at one point or another. How do I never have any time for anything anymore? My life feels like it's completely out of control. And it's a very strange thing because we live in an era where we have more time-saving devices than we have ever had in the history of the world. Just think about it. We have microwaves. You can cook food quicker than you ever could have cooked food in the past. We have these amazing devices called mobile phones. So we don't have to wait until we get to a phone to be able to call someone up. Anywhere that we are at any time, we can call someone. We have these ways of communicating with each other. We don't even have to make a phone call anymore. We can send someone a text message and instantly let them know. We don't have to worry about all that banter and all of that other talk that gets in the way of communicating what we really want to say. Just send a text message and get it out there. We have email. We don't have to wait, write a letter, take the time to do that, and then send that, wait for it to get there in the post, and then wait for them to read it and respond and it to come back. We can send an email, and we can get a response instantly, straight away. It's amazing. We don't have to have people over and wait until everyone's available to be able to have them over for a slideshow night to be able to show them the pictures from our latest holiday. While we're on holiday, we can share instantly the photos on Snapchat and on Instagram and on Facebook and be able to say, look at the amazing time that I'm having on my holiday. We can do that instantly. If we're having a lovely meal, we can straight away show the whole world exactly what we're eating. Not that anyone really cares, but we can do it. Think about TV. Once upon a time, and I know that for our uh, young people back there, they'll be shocked at this, you had to wait to watch an episode of your favourite TV show. You had to wait a whole week for that to come up. Now, no, instantly. You can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. And with things like Netflix, you don't even have to wait to watch the ads. You can just watch it all the way through. And then when that episode finishes, you can watch another one, and then another one, and then another one. One of my favourite things on Netflix is that there's a whole category of shows that say shows you can watch in a whole weekend. You can watch a whole series of a show in one weekend. It says these are the ones that you can get through in a responsible way and watch them in one weekend. We can get our groceries delivered, something that may be really handy in the next couple of weeks, but we don't even have to go to the shop to get our food. We can have someone, we can order it online and then have someone come in a van and drop it off to us. We have all of these time-saving devices. And so I want us to go back 50 years, and for some of you, you know what life was like 50 years ago. For others of us, we'll just imagine what that was like. But 50 years ago, if someone had told you then 
that list of things and said, you're going to have microwaves that can cook your food quickly, you're going to have mobile phones and communication devices, you're going to be able to watch TV when you want, exactly the way that you want it, you're going to be able to get your groceries delivered, you would probably think to yourself, what am I going to do with all that free time? That's going to be amazing. My life is going to be a utopian paradise, right? But is that the reality? No. <laughs> We feel like our lives are more out of control than they've ever been, even though we've got all of this stuff that should make our lives easier. And in reality, it's because of some of those things that we feel like we have less time. Technology has a greater impact on us than most of us are aware of. So part of the reason why we're caught in this tension and in this bizarre paradox is because of a few myths that we have bought into that our culture tells us. One of those myths is someday things will settle down. At some point, things will settle down. And again, I want you to just think, have you ever had this thought? Well, when I get past that thing, then everything will settle down. So if I can just get through this week, if I can just get through this month, if I can just get to Easter, if I can just get through that event that's coming up, if I can just get through that thing, if I can just get through Christmas, if I can just get through the January holidays, but somehow, as soon as we get through that thing, there's another thing on the other side of that, and then another thing, and another thing, and another thing. It's a complete myth, this idea, that if we can just get through this part, everything will settle down. Now, it is true that there are seasons of life where things are fuller and where we have more things on. But we have to be careful if our default understanding is, when I get to that point, I'll make some decisions to change the way that I spend my time. Some of us also have bought into the myth that one day I'll have enough. And for some of us, we think, if I just get to this point with this stuff in my life, everything will be okay. So that could be once I've got a house, or it could be once I get those renovations done, or it could be once I've got that new car, or once I've got the car paid off, or once I've got the renovation paid off, or the house paid off. Or it could be once I've got that new TV so that I can watch all of my favourite Netflix shows. Whatever it might be, there are all these things that we say, once I've got that, then everything will be okay. But it's a myth because on the other side of that, there's always something else. It's a myth. The other myth that we buy into is that everyone lives like this. This is just what our culture is like. And this is the reality for everyone. And that's actually not true. It's not true in Australia. There are some people who don't live this way. There's not a lot, but there are some. But as we think about our global perspective, and as we understand what life is like, particularly for people in the developing world, they don't live with this reality that life is out of control and I never have enough time for anything. They're actually happier. A lot of them have a greater sense of well-being than a lot of us do. And part of that is because they haven't bought into these myths. When I get to that point, when I've got this stuff, they make choices based on the reality of what life is supposed to be about. And so rather than believing those myths, we have to believe this truth. That ultimately, all of us have exactly the same amount of time every week. All of us have 168 hours every single week. That's no different for anyone. And... All of us get to choose how we spend that 168 hours. 
Now, you might push back on that and say, whoa, 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 I have a job that I have to go to, so I don't get to choose all of my time, or I have these responsibilities, so I don't get to choose how I spend all of my time. Some of that might be true, but we still make the choices that we make about the job that we have, the career that we're pursuing, and the decisions around that. I had a friend a number of years ago who was a lawyer who was climbing up the chain in his law firm, working his way towards partner, as most lawyers try and do. And he made a decision to say, I can't work 80 or 90 hours a week. That's not something that I can do because I want to have time for my family and I want to have time for the things that I'm passionate about, including my church family. And so he chose to walk away from that law firm. He still works as a lawyer, but he chose to work for a different law firm where he knew that he would have to work no more than 50 hours a week. So we still have choices, even in the work context that we're in and some of the responsibilities that we have. We have to take ownership to say, even if you put those responsibilities in place, there's a lot of disposable time that we have every single week that we have choices about how we use that time. So to help us dig into all of this a little bit more, we're going to look at this snapshot from Jesus' life to be able to see what that can teach us about how we use our time. So I'll read it through again from Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat down at the feet of the Lord and listened to his teaching. Martha was upset over all the work she had to do. And so she came and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled over so many things, but just one is needed. Mary has chosen the right thing and it will not be taken away from her. So here we have Martha, this amazing woman, who hears that Jesus is coming to town, and not just coming to town, but he's coming to her house. And so she says, right, I'd better give everything a big clean. So cleans her house, gets it all neat and tidy to make sure it's all ready for when Jesus came, gets food ready, I'm going to give Jesus a really great feast when he comes over, we're going to have a great time together, gets everything organised, and then as Jesus comes in, makes sure everyone's comfortable, everyone's happy, everyone's where they are. And it's easy for us to think, well, that's crazy. If Jesus came to my house, I would absolutely prioritise spending time with him. That's definitely what I would, I would stop what I'm doing and I would spend time with Jesus. But if we're honest, how many of us actually probably wouldn't end up doing that? And just think about this in terms of when you do have people over to your house. How many of us spend a lot of time getting the house really, really clean and organised and tidy so we can make a really, really good impression, spend lots of time cooking the best food that we can possibly cook so that it's all completely ready for them when they come over, make sure that the drinks are laid out, everything's good to go, and then when they come over, we make sure that we entertain them and that people are all mixing well and everything's going okay. And then when they leave, we suddenly realise, I didn't actually really spend very much time with people tonight or today. We did all this stuff, but then they left and we didn't actually spend that much time together. Anyone had that experience or just me? A few people. (laughs) (laughs) Think about when we come here on a Sunday. It's very, very easy, especially for those of us who have volunteer roles in our serve teams, to come along and be focused on all the things that we've got to get done. Make sure everything's set up right, make sure everything's ready to go, make sure that we serve everyone, make sure that we clean up afterwards. 
the same question. Do we ever have those experiences where we come and we do all this stuff for other people and then actually get home and go, wait, I didn't really spend any time with anyone today. And even more importantly than that, I didn't actually stop and spend time with Jesus, which is the whole point of us gathering here together. It's really important to recognise that all of the things that Martha was doing were good things. Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. In actual fact, she was doing the things that were expected of her. She was doing the things that were a part of her role. All of the things that she she was doing were good things. But she had completely forgotten why she was doing all of those things. She was so focused on doing things for Jesus that she forgot to be with Jesus. So focused on doing things for Jesus that she forgot to be with Jesus. Mary, at the other hand, on the other hand, chooses to not do any of that and to sit at Jesus' feet. And it's important for us to understand that Mary was actually being completely culturally inappropriate in what she was doing. In Jesus' culture, the people who could sit at the feet of a rabbi, a teacher, were the men who were educated and who already had a pretty good understanding of things. If you were a woman, sorry, but that's not the place where you're allowed to sit. You could kind of listen in from behind over there or somewhere in the back, but you were not to sit at the feet of the teacher. That was completely inappropriate. She was neglecting her responsibilities, neglecting what her role was. And so Martha, understandably, says, Jesus put her into line, like tell her to get up. She's not supposed to be sitting there anyway. This is completely inappropriate. So tell her to stand up and have you seen how much work that I'm doing? Look, all this sweat. Can you please ask her to help me out and to do what she's supposed to do? And so we would expect Jesus in that context to say, as a good rabbi, a good Jewish leader, yes, that's true. You should get up and you should go and fulfill your duties and do the things that you're supposed to do and not be doing something that's culturally inappropriate. What does Jesus say to Martha? Verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled over so many things, but just one is needed. Mary has chosen the right thing, and it will not be taken away from her. That's a massive challenge. Martha, you are worried and troubled over so many things. But just one thing is actually needed to be focused on right now, and Mary has chosen what that is. So this raises lots of questions for us to wrestle with and to think about. Firstly, how many things are we worried and troubled about? And are those the things that Jesus gets worried and troubled about? And again, think about when we have people over. We are worried and troubled about how clean our home is about making a good impression, about whether we've cooked the food perfectly and we've got the right amount for everyone, whether the scented candle was exactly the right scent that was going to create the right sort of atmosphere, whether we had the right playlist on that just creates the right mood in the background. But bigger than that, we worry about things like our houses, the things that we need to do to them, our cars, our holidays, or sadly for some people, whether our holidays end up getting cancelled. We worry about keeping up on social media. What's everyone else doing? Have I stayed on top of things? We worry about watching the latest episode of the things that we want to stay up to date on. The question we need to wrestle with is, are these the things that Jesus is worried and troubled about? 
You're worried and troubled over so many things, but just one thing is needed. We can also wrestle with this question about whether we're more focused on the why or the what. Whether we're more focused on the why or the what. And especially for those of us who are task-oriented, this is our default. We want to get stuff done. We want to cross things off the list. But we can be so focused on the what, all of the things that we need to get done, ticking them all off, that we forget to remember why we're doing those things in the first place. We also need to wrestle with whether there are cultural norms that we just allow ourselves to get sucked into, but actually we need to push back against what those things are. We're going to talk more about that next week, but this week specifically I want to recognise what we've already talked about, the culture of busyness that is so much a part of our culture. Is that something that we just allow ourselves to go with the flow with, or is it something that we need to push back against? Instead of being focused on trying to do everything, what does it look like for us to be people who try to create space in our lives? And the challenge for us is that when we look at Jesus' life, and if you've been doing our Lent reading plan and reading through Mark, you would have seen one very significant snapshot of this through this week. When we look at Jesus' life, he is never rushed. He's never hurried. When I read the stories of Jesus, that's one of the things that jumps out at me the most. His ability to just be present in the moment, to focus on the people that are around him, to never feel like he's being interrupted, to just be with people all of the time. And so as people who say that we want to be Jesus-centred, as people who say that we want to follow Jesus, are we? Are we modelling ourselves after Jesus' lifestyle? Are we pursuing an unhurried rhythm of life like Jesus calls us into? And so I actually want to do something before we wrap up and look at our reflection question, just to give us an opportunity just to pause and think about all of those questions and to recognise that Jesus is here with us. For a lot of us, we have a lot on our mind today. There's a lot of stuff that's going on for us in all sorts of different ways. For a lot of us, trying to get here this morning was rush, 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 try and get here on time or as close as possible and just be here. I want to give us a moment just to be able to pause and to take some deep breaths, and as you do, to recognise Jesus is here with us. We didn't do all the stuff that we've done this morning so that we could do things for Jesus. We did them so that we can be with Jesus. So in the silence, just take a few deep breaths and recognise that Jesus is here. Doing something as simple as that is pushing back against cultural norms. That's something that we can do at any point, any day, 
in the midst of activity, in the midst of all the stuff that's going on, we can stop. And even if it's just for a minute, be able to pause and recognise Jesus is here with me in the midst of all the stuff that's going on. And so am I present to what Jesus is doing? And am I present to the things that are happening around me right now, the people that I'm with, the reason why I'm doing the things that I'm doing? It's something you might like to practice as you're heading to this week. But as we wrap up our message today, I want to leave us with this question, coming back to what we're talking about in this series about what it means for us to love our neighbours and to challenge us with this reflection question for this week. What needs to change in order for me to create room and space for my neighbours? Again, coming back to that reality to say, Jesus calls us to love the people around us. Are we able to create time and space for them? And so I do have an exercise that you might like to do. So if I could have my wonderful helpers who've been so great throughout this series. What we have this week is an optional exercise for you to do, which is a weekly time budget. So something a bit different that some of you may or may not have done before. Thank you. Time is finite. We all have a limited amount of time, the same as we have a limited amount of money. Well, most of us have a limited amount of money. But time we definitely do have a limited amount of. And so we need to be conscious about how we spend that time. And so this is an exercise that I do on a regular basis, particularly in times when I feel like my life is spinning completely out of control and I don't have time for anything. And so you can do this as in-depth as you want to or as simply as you want to. So for some of you, you might like to, actually there is a version of this where every hour is written down and so you can write down what you do every single hour of every day. I've given you kind of a hybrid version of that which just has morning, afternoon and evening and so this is an opportunity to be able to just stop and say at lunchtime, okay, what did I do this morning? Where did my time go? And then afternoon. And then evening, for some of you, you might like to just take some time each night and jot down some notes and say, well, these are the things that I did this week. Part of the reason to do this is not in any way to judge yourself or to feel guilty about how you spend your time. That's not the point of the exercise. It's simply to do an audit, which is a part of a budgeting process, is to say, where is my time going currently? And am I happy with the choices that I'm making with my time? And in particular, if I feel like my time is a little bit out of control, then what are the choices that I can make to create some more space, to be able to do the things that I believe that Jesus is challenging me to do? And so in particular, one of the things that I want to throw out there as a challenge is to say in the next month, can you find one hour to set aside to spend time with a neighbour? Again, I want to encourage you to be praying about who that person is or who those people might be. But in the next month, can you find one hour in your schedule to be able to say, I'm going to go and have that conversation with that neighbour across the road who's lived there for two years that I've never actually got around to saying hi to them. Or that person who I know is really struggling because maybe they lost a family member in the last year and I know they could do with some support. Or that person who I know lives completely on their own and all of their family lives elsewhere in the world or elsewhere in the country. Or the person who I know is just having a hard time at work or struggling with their family or struggling with what's going on at school. Is there one person or one group of people that you can find one hour for in the next month? That may be something that you do on Neighbour Day, March 29th, as I've talked about, but it may not be. 
So I want to encourage you this week to just take some time to recognise where is my time going and am I happy with the choices that are there because Jesus calls us to this unhurried life. So if we feel like our lives are out of control, then let's make some choices to pull that back, to push back against the cultural norm that says we're just supposed to live this way, we're not. And as people who follow Jesus, we want to model our lives after him. So I'm going to pray that Jesus would continue to help us to catch a vision for what the kingdom life is supposed to be, life the way that God created us to live. God didn't design us with an idea that we would fill our lives up and feel completely maxed out all of the time. God created us to live in a full, complete, harmonious, peace-filled relationship with him and with the people around us. And so I'm going to pray that we'd be able to take some time to pause and reflect, recognise where our time is going, and then to make adjustments and choices as we move into the next few weeks that align ourselves with where Jesus is leading us. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you do show us what an unhurried life looks like. It blows my mind in some ways when I think about all of the things that you could have done when you were here on earth. And yet we have countless stories where you're on the way somewhere and you allow yourself to be interrupted. Where you're going somewhere, you've made a decision about what it is that needs to be next and then someone comes across your path and you stop and you interact with them. You have this amazing ability to be present with people. We're so grateful that you model that. It's not something that you just teach us and tell us that we need to go and do, but it's something that you lived out in your life. We're sorry that so often we live like Martha, where we feel like we have to do all of these things and where we're so focused on what we have to do that we forget why we're doing it and that that flows out into our relationship with you where we so often are so focused on doing things for you that we forget to spend time with you. So as we head into this week, I ask that you would challenge us in both of those areas, that you would help us to recognise what it looks like to have a relationship with you, to spend time with you, to pause from activity and to just be with you and to recognise you love us just as passionately when we're doing nothing as you do when we're in full action mode but also pray that you would help us to be able to take stock of the ways in which we're spending our time, the things that we're using in our lives, the things that fill up our lives, and that you would help us to push back against those things that aren't your best, to be able to say no to the things that are good so that we can say yes to the things that are best. I pray in particular that you would help us to be able to carve out space for the people in our lives to pursue this goal that you give us of loving our neighbours. Help us to see them the way that you do and help us to make time to be able to share your love and your peace with those that we interact with as we head into this week and as we head into the next few weeks. In your name we pray. Amen.